Here is a sermon message from Somerville Community Baptist Church. To hear more sermons like this, please visit ilovescbc.org. We continue this morning in our series, How Do You Trust God When Life Doesn't Make Sense? And certainly as we look at 2020, life doesn't make sense. And perhaps there are events even in your own life that are occurring outside of the challenges that all of us face that have you asking, what are we to do? How do we trust when life doesn't make sense? And we talked last week as Pastor David introduced us to Habakkuk. And we were able to see as Habakkuk comes and brings his complaint to God. Habakkuk is asking, God, what will you do? I see the injustices of the world. God, won't you do something? And God says, I've got it. I'm using the Babylonians to bring justice to the world. We continue this morning as we look at the next complaint brought by Habakkuk. This morning's sermon is titled, Oh God, Why? Oh God, Why? And this is Habakkuk's heart that he pours out before God. As he's heard God say, you know, I've got the Babylonians. And they're going to be my instrument, my tool of justice in this world. And Habakkuk is like, the Babylonians? They're awful, terrible people. They care nothing for you. They are not righteous. They are evil to the core. How does a perfect, righteous, almighty God use evil people like the Babylonians to bring justice? It makes no sense to Habakkuk. And he brings this question before God. First thing we are going to look at is that we are going to see that God listens. But do we? So Habakkuk comes and brings his question, perhaps his complaint, before God. And we see it in verse one, chapter 1, verse 13. Why then do you tolerate the treacherous? Why are you silent? Why the wicked swallow up those who are more righteous than themselves? Habakkuk is coming before God, and he is saying, look, these Babylonians, they're evil. All right, we're getting there, we're getting there. Habakkuk is saying, these Babylonians, they are evil. Why would you use them to bring about your plan? This seems like a most unexpected tool to use. In fact, Habakkuk would say, God, look, they're worse than the people that you're judging. Habakkuk comes and he waits for an answer before God. As he delivers his question, one of the good things that we see with Habakkuk is that he will come and wait for God to answer. And we see this in chapter 2, verse 1. Habakkuk says, I will stand at my watch and station myself on the ramparts. I will look to see what he will say to me. The key thing there is that Habakkuk 
is choosing to wait so that he can hear from God. He's waiting. He's brought a complaint to God. And quite honestly, it's a very legitimate complaint. According to our rational minds, God wouldn't use more evil to judge less evil, but that's exactly what God is saying he's going to do. And so Habakkuk comes, waiting before God. And I can't help but wonder, how many problems do we create by not waiting for God's answer? We're good at bringing our complaints to God. At least I hope we are. You know, that's a good step. That's a good start. We can bring our complaints to God, and God's certainly going to hear us. But will we wait for God's answer? You see, God owes us no answer. And so we think otherwise. We think, hey, look at me, God. You should listen to me. I asked you a question. You should answer me. You heard me. I know you heard me. What's the answer? It's a little like a child who comes to their parent while their parent is engaged in some activity. And the child comes and begins to pull on the parent's leg, demanding the parent's attention at that moment so that the parent will answer that child's question. And if you're a parent, you've had that experience. You know what it's like to have your impatient child wrapped around your leg, yanking at you, demanding your attention at that moment, at that very second. Thinking nothing of what you might be engaged in. When we refuse to wait upon God, we are that child. And as a parent, you know what we do when that child does that? We make them wait. And we make them wait not because we don't love the child, not because we don't want to answer the child, not because it's a bad question, but because the child needs to learn humility, that the world is not all about that child. There are other people, other things in the world. And we're going to make that child wait so that they will know life isn't all about the child. In the same way, we see God has us wait. Because life isn't all about us. It's about God's eternal master plan. Oh, how many problems do we create by not waiting on God for an answer? We have a great example of not waiting. I suppose it's not a great example because it's a terrible event that happens in the life of King Saul because he refuses to wait. King Saul, God's very first king to lead his nation. A man who was given great ability as a king. A man who looked like a king. A warrior who was fit to lead God's people. But there was one day that King Saul had his army amassed, ready to go out to battle. But before going out, he needed to wait for the prophet Samuel to arrive to provide the sacrifice. But Saul sees his army begin to fall away as people in the process of waiting lose hope. He sees his army slowly being reduced. 
but he still sees the size of that enemy of which they need to face. And Saul stops waiting and decides to take action, offering the sacrifice himself that he never should have. The result is, as soon as Saul has done this act, here comes Samuel. Saul just needed to wait just a moment more. Just a moment more, he was at the door. Samuel was there. Saul refused to wait, though. And here comes Samuel, reminding Saul of his failure, and reminding Saul, because of this failure, the kingdom would be taken from him. Because Saul refused to wait. How many problems do we create by not waiting for God's answer? Big question for us. God listens to us, but will we listen to God? Will we listen? And particularly this morning, I'm asking you, will you listen when God's initial response is silence? Because that's often how our questions are received by God initially. God doesn't answer us when we want. God isn't required the moment we have the question come out of our mouth to give us the answer right then at that moment. God often makes us wait because we are like the little child pulling at the parent's leg who demands immediate attention, oblivious to the world around. God wants us to wait. Second thing we are going to look at is that God answers. But do we? God does answer. And here we see God answers Habakkuk's complaint, Habakkuk's question. And the answer that God provides honestly isn't terribly comforting. It's not one of these answers you're like, oh, it all makes perfect sense now. That, I get it now, God. Oh, that's why you use evil people to bring justice. Mm, that makes sense. No. So Habakkuk isn't. That's not his experience. But God does give him an answer. So Habakkuk has done well by waiting. And now God comes to answer Habakkuk. And we see that in chapter 2, verse 3. For the revelation awaits an appointed time. It speaks of the end and will not prove false. Though it lingers, wait for it. It will certainly come and not delay. So God's very first answer to his question is wait. It's coming, but you're going to need to wait for it. And we've talked about it. Everyone hates waiting. We hate waiting. Right? No one goes to the store and goes to say, oh, which line's the longest? I'll, I'll, I'll take that line so I can wait a little bit longer. Right? No one goes to the parking lot and says, mm, which parking spot is the farthest away? Because, yeah, I, I'd like to just you know, wait a little bit more to get in. No, we don't like to wait. But there are times that certainly God is calling us to wait. And one of the things that we're going to see here is there's a difference between just waiting and patience. And so while there are times we need to wait, often we find ourselves really being called to patience. Waiting is something that we endure. When we come and are developing 
patience. We find ourselves waiting on God's timing. God has a plan. There are events in place. There are things that need to be set. There are preparations that need to be made. And God is working those out. And we need to be patient with God's timing. It's not that God is just like, oh, hey, funny you, gotta wait. No. God is saying there's patience that is required because there is a plan that needs to unfold. Patience provides time for preparation. And we see that here in this verse where it talks of an appointed time. God's revelation awaits an appointed time. It's like baking, right? You make the ingredients, right? You're making that cake. And you got the ingredients all mixed up and, and you put it in the oven and you just have to wait, right? You have to wait, but we're going to wait with patience because there's purpose in that. I can pull it out of the oven 15 minutes too soon, but I won't have a cake, Certainly not a cake anyone wants to eat. We need to wait until the fulfillment of time. Until that cake has been properly baked and is ready to eat. In the same way, God is calling us to patience. Patience with God's timing and the events around us. You see, because we're still like that little child who thinks the world's all about us. And God is this eternal God, an infinite God, a God who knows more than we could ever imagine, a God who understands more than we could ever fathom, a God who has power and strength beyond our ability to even comprehend. And God's got a plan in place. We just need to let some of those pieces be put into the right locations so that our role moves forward. We must be patient. A great biblical example of what this looks like is King David. I just told you how King Saul couldn't wait. God says, I'm taking the kingdom from you. Well, God says, I've got a new person I'm giving the kingdom to. And that's going to be David, this great servant. And so we see the Samuel, right? Samuel that Saul couldn't wait on. Now Samuel is going to find and anoint the new king. And there he finds David, and that's going to be God's king, David. So Samuel says, David, you're going to be king. But as you read through the story of David, you will know it takes a long time before David actually becomes king. Before the fulfillment takes place, David must be patient. And in fact, David probably at this point is in his mid-teens when Samuel comes to him. David is going to need to wait another 15 years before he will even become king over Judah. And then he's going to wait about another seven years before he becomes king over all Israel. So this promise of being king that is put on by Samuel, we're talking over 20 years that David must wait. 
And so David, as a mid-teenager, right, think he's maybe about 15 years old, he's going to need to patiently wait until he's in his late 30s. That's a long time. And if you know a 15-year-old, or if you remember what life was like at 15, imagine going to a 15-year-old and saying, mm, I've got something really good for you, but you're not going to get it all the way until your late 30s. You might as well tell him it's 10 lifetimes away. But we see David patiently waiting on God through difficult circumstances because God's fulfillment of time was not ready. We see God. He, he does answer. He does answer. And his first answer is wait. And his second answer that he gives to Habakkuk here in chapter 2 is remain faithful. Remain faithful. Let's look at verse number 4 here in chapter 2 of Habakkuk. So God is speaking to Habakkuk's complaint. And he says, see the enemy is puffed up. His desires are not upright. But the righteous person will live by his faithfulness. God is saying, I see Habakkuk. Remain righteous. Remain faithful. You see, righteousness, it's not so much of a morality of doing good and bad, but it's about a relationship, a relationship that we have with God. Righteousness says, I'm trusting in my God in the seasons of waiting, in the seasons where patience is needed. I will persevere in the faith, in the belief that I have that God's plan is being unfolded. God indeed does answer Habakkuk's complaint with two difficult challenges. Wait and remain faithful. And as God answers a big question for us is, do we answer God? Do we answer when God says, will you be faithful? Will you be patient? Because the way that we answer God is not by the words that come out of our mouth, but by the lives that we live. And if we live lives where we exhibit patient faithfulness, then we are answering our God. We are saying, yes, God, I will wait upon your timing. I will be patient until your plan becomes fulfilled. I will stay loyal to you. A challenge that we face in our patient faithfulness and serving our God and our perseverance is that we cannot become consumed by the goal, by the end that we strive to reach. Be that good, be that bad, but we cannot become consumed by the goal that we are trying to reach. Rather, we must become fixated on the means, the means to reaching that goal. Patient faithfulness is found by focusing on the means, on the path that God puts before us. You see what happens when we look at the goal, when we look at the destination, we begin to think, how do I get there? What's the easiest path there? What's the shortcut? What's the most direct way? How can I cut a little time off this? And we begin to compromise. 
And instead of following the path that God has brought before us, even though that path may be winding, even though that path may double back upon itself, even though that path leads us through difficult terrain, up hills, over mountains that we seem like we can't even cross, but maybe that's the path that God has for us. And when we are patiently faithful, we say, I'm following that path. God, wherever that path leads, let it be to your glory. But I'm not going to determine the end. I am simply going to follow the path that you put before me. We must be faithful in the little things. My challenge for you today is to think where in your life where in your life have you lost vigilance in the little things of serving God? My experience is that people don't run away from God. Rather, people crawl away from God. Little bit by little bit by little bit. And all of a sudden they look up and they're so far away. And they're like, how did that happen? It happened because they began to compromise on little things. They turned away from small elements of faithfulness. I want you to remain vigilant in the small elements of your faithful life and whatever that may be for you. And that's where you need to ask yourself, you know, what, what is part of my commitment to God? What are the things that you do in your life and you say, that's a, because I serve Jesus. That's because I'm walking with God and I'm trying to be loyal and faithful and trusting to God. What are those elements? And have you slipped on those? Have you just veered away just a little bit? Have you thought it'll be okay just this once? I want you to think, what are those things? And, and get them corrected today. Fix them today. Because these little small things, right, they're small. I'll, I'll give you they're small, but it's a little bit like the crack in the dam. It starts really tiny, but with more pressure, that weak spot becomes exposed, leading the dam to fail. So in your life, be vigilant in the little things. And whatever small areas you're struggling with now, I encourage you to correct those. And then maybe something came to your mind. I trust that it did. I trust the Spirit's working in our lives. And the moment I brought this up, you're like, that's that thing. Fix it today. Fix it today. Third and final thing we want to look at is that God sees eternity. But do we? Do we? There are five woes that are a part of Habakkuk chapter 2. As Habakkuk has brought this complaint before God, why are you using the wicked? Why are you using the unrighteous as your tool? And God comes and he says, Habakkuk, wait. I need you to wait. Stay faithful, Habakkuk. And now God says, you know, those wicked people, there are woes for them. God, I know they're wicked, and judgment will come upon them. 
there are five of these woes, and the repeating of these shows the certainty of the action. In the biblical text, when we find things that are repeated, especially one after the other, it's God's way of saying, it's the biblical way of saying, this will come. This is a certainty. For us, it's the equivalent of, you know that person that you get a, a message from who never uses an exclamation point? And all of a sudden, you, you check your, your message from the person, and they got three of them? <laughs> you would be like, whoa, they want to get my attention. These five woes are designed to get Habakkuk's attention. This will be the case. God will judge the evil people that is currently being used by God as a tool. And God says specifically, woe to those who have succeeded through unjust means. And we didn't read all of those rows as we were going through the scripture this morning. We read just the first of those. But the, of those five woes, we see that they are escalating in the crimes that the people have done. We see first the sin of wealth. And we see people are going to lose that. And then they're going to lose their houses. And then they're going to lose their cities. And we've seen that, in fact, these evil people Right? have used their power to abuse others sexually. And finally, we see that they've even resorted to idols, replacing their God with wooden images. And God is saying, woe to them. Judgment will come. But you know, judgment for God, it comes slowly. And that can be something that's difficult for us to understand. Because we see in verse 8 that God describes these evil people as having plundered many nations. Now, how long does it take to plunder a nation? It seems like it would take a while. They've plundered many nations. This would seem to take an extraordinarily long time. So while they have been engaged in their evil for such a lengthy period of time, the hand of God's judgment has not yet been placed upon them, but it will come. And it will come according to God's timing. Because you see, God sees eternity. God isn't locked into this moment or that moment. God isn't locked into this millennium or that millennium. God sees it all. God sees time eternal. And God acts accordingly. So the question for us, God sees eternity. But do we? No. No, we can't. We're just limited people. We can't see eternity. Sure, we can talk about the idea, but we can't fathom it in our minds. God sees eternity. God acts according to an eternal purpose. But we're limited. We just, we see our lives. And not much beyond that. So recognizing our limitation. Let us not rush to judgment regarding the way and the means of our God. Rather, let us rush headlong with patient faithfulness to God's plan. It can feel a bit unsatisfying because we don't understand God's eternal purposes and how the events around us fit into that eternal plan. Oh, sure, we know God's going to win. We know God's going to bring all things under his care. 
We kind of we see that, but we don't know how the individual moments of our lifetime and our day fit into that. But God does. And let us trust God in that. We find ourselves facing the same question that Habakkuk first brought to God here in the passage today. Habakkuk said from chapter 1, verse 13, Why then do you tolerate the treacherous? Why are you silent while the wicked swallow up those who are more righteous than themselves? It's a good question, Habakkuk. God says, Habakkuk, be patient. Be faithful. And know, I've got it. I've got it, Habakkuk. You may not understand it, but I've got it. Romans 4.3 says this about Abraham. The great father of our faith. The man that God says, hey, I'm going to work through you, Abraham. I'm picking out one person to bless all peoples of the earth. And Abraham, it's going to be you. I'm starting my plan of redemption and salvation with you, Abraham. What does it say that Abraham responded to this? It says, Abraham, believe God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. He believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. May God say the same about us. Let me pray for us this morning. God, we come before you, recognizing there are things we don't understand. God, we come before you with questions that don't get answered. God, we come before you wondering, God, why, why, why do evil plans succeed? Where are you, God? Where are you? But God, we come before you with the assurance that you hear us the assurance that you know us, the assurance that you love us, and the assurance that you're working all things towards your good. And God, and by your good, by extension, our good as well. God, let us be people that, like Abraham, might be faithful. Let us be people who are found faithful. Found faithful today, found faithful tomorrow found faithful for a lifetime. We ask all in this name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior. Amen.